Here at Strange Magic, Amanda and I talk about our views on tarot and the ways in which we practice magic. And we understand that other people have different ways of practicing and different interpretations of the tarot, and that's totally okay. Take what you'd like and leave the rest. This episode is about Major Arcana V, the Hierophant, also known as the Pope. Tune in to find out, is he a goddess-busting patriarch or your key to self-knowledge? This episode of Strange Magic is brought to you by Angela Mary Magic. Do you ever need an experienced witch to whip you up a spell? How about enchanted supplies and seasoned assistants accessing your inner knowing? Angela Mary is just that witch. She offers a beautiful array of magical supplies and services. Her most tender and personal offering of her life is Moon Coven, a year and a day of spellbound rites. For all the other divine details, head over to www.angelamarymagic.com. That's magic with a K. Lucky Strange Magic listeners receive 70% off of Moon Coven. Just use the offer code STRANGE. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Sarah. I'm so excited for today's episode. Oh, yeah. I'm totally excited because the Hierophant is like such a troublemaker and so many people feel like they can't always connect to it or they don't get it. I have a lot of feedback that people will be scratching their heads. They don't understand what it has to do with them or their life. So luckily for all you listeners out there, today we are going to unpack this card. We're going to dive straight in fearlessly and boldly. Let's just start off with what this card is, what it looks like, what you might expect to see. So usually the Hierophant appears with a man in robes sitting at the center of the card on a throne or at a pulpit. His hands are in the benediction mudra. So that's where your index and middle finger are pointing up and your ring and pinky finger are folded and thumb tucked in. It's also like a hermetic Mm -hmm. hand gesture. A mudra is like a a gesture or a physical posture that calls in power. And and mudra, the word is Hindu, I think. At least it comes from the subcontinent of India, but there are many cultures that use gestures to draw in power. Anyway, sometimes he gestures up, sometimes he gestures down, sometimes both. Usually when you do both, it's in the hermetic mudra of as above, so below, right? So gesturing towards heaven, gesturing towards earth. The pope or the hierophant. Or the high priest. Or the high priest usually stands before a crowd of kneeling worshipers or sometimes just two or three. And frequently he holds a staff conferring authority and knowledge of secret teachings. Sometimes the papal cross, which is a triple cross. Sometimes two crossed keys, meaning sun, moon, male, female, above, below. Sarah's going to say a bit more about that. He's the keeper and the disseminator of knowledge about the mysteries And he wears a fancy headdress that makes him look like a king, only like a religious king. And the Pope corresponds to the sign of Taurus, a fixed earth sign, and also corresponds with the number five. And in the Kabbalah, it corresponds to the path of vow or on the pillar of mercy, bringing stability and a solid foundation. This is a very important key as it marks a turning point in the major arcana. It is the first tarot card where traditionally we see more than one person. Hmm. Traditionally, there are three, but as Amanda said, sometimes there's a crowd. Um, There's at least one other person. Sometimes there's animals. It's usually about a leader 
kind of in the center and those who are gathered around this leader. So this is also the first card where we see a kind of hierarchy being represented. There is an exchange. There is an illustration of exchanges of exchanges between the high priest and their God and between the high priest and those assembled that are listening to them. This also connotes ideas of giving and ideas of receiving. This also connotes, are you the student? Are you the teacher? Are you all of the above? In general, this is one of the cards in the major arcana that I have heard people complaining that they do not connect to personally. The feedback I hear is that people don't get this card. What does it have to do with them personally? I think that what we are dealing with when we attempt to step into the realm of Hierophant is how we've been sold religion, authority, and hierarchies in general. So hopefully this episode is going to kind of unpack and present other ways to think about this card, uh, you know, because I think this is a really beautiful key, actually, and I love it dearly. It's helped me a lot in life, and I think it will help you. So as I was taught, five, the number connotes work. No wonder people don't like it, (laughs) as we've been sold a lot of missed messages about work. Five in general in the tarot is a challenge. It's a growth area. It is a portal of no return. There's a tension in all five cards. The fives also remind us that healing is generally painful. Mm. The card to me is about the work of work, the work of the soul, and the work of love. Mm, Yeah, that's so interesting. I also think of fives, of course, as work or struggle. I normally think of fives as struggle. Conflict, right? Conflict, Conflict. right? But also what's really interesting about that is five is also the number of points on the pentacle, Mm -hmm. right? Which is the witch's symbol, humanity, Mm -hmm. right? So all the elements coming together Mm -hmm. plus spirit. So essentially it's about life, about manifestation and life in the material world is struggle, is conflict, is working through that. That's the point of being here. So it gets at some really deep stuff straight away. I also think it's really funny. One of the reasons why people don't like the Hierophant is because, you know, if you're going to a tarot reader or you're interested in tarot, I mean, you're kind of a self-selecting group to not be that into probably a lot of traditional forms of religion. And so you might have a resistance to a sort of patriarchal authority figure. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you do have a resistance to that. Yeah. Unless you just hate listening. Mm-hmm. Which, hello. Which you could be, yeah. which, welcome. <laughs> you're still listening, so thanks for that. <laughs> yes, 100, 100%. Do you want to get into sort of some of the positives that you see as coming up in this card? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so I just want to start off with the sort of most basic reading. A lot of people have this reading and interpretation of the card, which is that when you get... The Hierophant often is because a teacher is coming into your life or there's something about this moment that is like a teachable moment for you. Sometimes it means that you're going back to school or sometimes it might mean that someone in your life is functioning as a teacher. Like let's say you were asking about a relationship, for instance, like what is this person teaching you? Like what is the message here that is being given to you from spirit through this certain circumstance? I love that. I often think of fives and or of earth, the element of earth, Taurus, as being tangible, like Mm. tangibility. So I love that you brought that in to sort of bring the kind of intangible 
um, ideas and lessons of a moment into what practically and tangibly do I have to work with in this moment through this person or this conflict or this struggle or this new job or however it turns up in the person's life. For me, this card and its complexities and levels illustrates the ways in which we experience all of the cards in the tarot deck, which is to say, for me personally, each card is a 360 wheel, circle, spiral exploration around a theme that humanity faces in general. So there are levels and layers to each card and how we engage in that card reflects where we are at in the moment. So on one level or degree, this card can be about working and work, like a CV level, like where do we work? Where are we trying to get to? Who is our boss? Who is our authority? What does our job entail? But on a much deeper level, this card can be about the work of the soul, what our individual came here to do, how to express that, about the unique blueprint that is you made up of your own voice, your own unique experiences, your own unique teachings, and your own unique seekings, how you work as a channel for these sacred energies, right? So this is also about how this shows up in your life in practical, tangible, or hard and challenging ways. And also, let's not forget about this whole crowd aspect to the card, how you engage your unique qualities for the collective, um, who you're working with or for. So this card can also touch on the mastery of the self, i.e. mastering, all caps, your self, so that you might eventually aid and guide others. Mm, Yeah, like being a transmitter of knowledge and also where the transmissions of knowledge are coming through. I also think when you're learning to read tarot, and I, you know, obviously I still do this, it's really good to think about the literal interpretation of what this card is depicting, like a magician, a pope, an empress, you know, a tower. Like, how do those really function in the world and what are they really doing? So if we think about the Hierophant, which, of course, when the tarot was made, you know, was made in, a, you know, 15th century Italy. So it was made in a Catholic country. The Pope was the head of the church and also a kind of, the you know, an emperor to a certain degree. Yeah. So when we think about Pope, what does that mean to us? That's one way of like, if you can't remember a all meaning. the meanings of yeah. the cards, just think about what is this? And so in an ideal world, what we're told about the Pope is that he's the intermediary between the divine and the masses, right? So he hears what God says and then transmits it to the masses in a way that they can understand. He's the link between the heaven and the earth, the above and below. And unlike maybe the high priestess, who's really the holder of knowledge, and she's like keeping that knowledge and investigating those mysteries, he's communicating them to others and offering that knowledge to the world whereas the high priestess is much more like you want this you have to come to me you have to do this work but the pope is offering this and he is able to interpret the scriptures so if there's something that one is confused about in terms of like what's the meaning of this what's the purpose of this that the pope is able to understand and interpret that so the pope has access to deep spirit has access to the mysteries of the universe and is able to understand and interpret and guide folks around him. So 
What you just said, I'm so glad because it totally reminded me of this really important aspect of this card that I had forgotten about, that I was really hung up on for a while when I was like giving readings. Like, you know, there'll just be like one lesson of a card. You just want to like tell your client over and over again, especially if the card keeps popping up, you know, what is the unique messages that come through for you from spirit or nature or however your imagination, whatever you want to call the kind of indescribable spark that only you have access to? And then how do you become a simple communicator of that spark? So it's this vessel, it's the medium and the messenger. So in a way it's like, well, let's just say that someone's goal is to bring um, the divine feminine into the world and in a way that's easy for the youth to absorb. Maybe it ends up being they create a meme account, meme, I always say meme, a meme account about feminism, or maybe they make a podcast about feminism or something. Sometimes this card also speaks to like, why am I here? What did I come here to do? And that I think is also why people tend to shy away from this card because there's big questions of like, who am I? What is my soul's purpose? And sometimes it's about thinking about the ways in which we can simply and easily distill our own unique information that comes in through us. It can be a bumper sticker. It doesn't have to be this lofty, you have to create, write a new Torah or, you know, write a whole new Iliad or something. It can come out in different ways. And so I think that sometimes when a client gets this card, you can interact with them and you can ask them, how can this easily be put out into the world so that me, Sarah, or you, Amanda, can really understand that like you're bringing in the divine feminine or you're bringing in equality into the world in a way that people can ingest and um, understand quite easily, right? Yeah, absolutely. Going back to the idea of the Pope or the Hierophant as being a teacher, I think it's really helpful to think of like, well, what is a good teacher? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, a teacher might think, the best way to teach is to dazzle people with a bunch of information and show them how knowledgeable you are about something. Right. But that's not actually good teaching. Right. Like a good teacher is meeting their student where they are and helping them understand how to attain the knowledge that they're looking for rather than just showing off their knowledge. This card presents a lot of opportunities to think about that. Think about how you're receiving messages and how you're transmitting them. I love that. I see this card speaking to this idea of a soul's paycheck versus our like bank account real world kind of paycheck because this is a card about work. So this card speaks to paychecks on multiple levels. So we have like a bank account paycheck that is like the money in our bank and what we do for a living and who we see every day. And we can define this quite easily as well as spiritual aspects to our work. But then there's kind of like an all caps paycheck, which is a more spiritual, more intangible aspect to our work. It is work that goes out of the kind of nine to five world and into a soul's calling or a vocation. It's a fulfillment that lies far above and beyond the ego, the paycheck, the actual money, and sometimes even language. Yes. The idea is like, you know, if you work for the goddess, what does that mean? Like, what is your work in the world? Because your paycheck is coming from her. So, you know, you answer to a higher or perhaps more earthy authority than your boss. Yeah. So speaking of authorities, I also think of the Pope as an authority and an authority figure. And I think it's really worth unpacking what that means. So in a positive sense, a Pope becomes an authority because 
all of the bishops agree that he should be the pope, right? When you get a PhD, then you're given the authority of becoming a doctor of whatever your field is because you defend your thesis to a bunch of other people who really know what they're talking about. You know, I am not saying authority in this world in the way that it manifests is right and correct and we should all just accept authority when it's presented to us. But I am saying that there are aspects of authority that do have some positive sides. Because for instance, let's say someone you're going to a healer of some kind and they're like, you should take this herb. And they've never, they, they just intuited that mm-hmm. or whatever. They may not know you're allergic to it. They may not. They might not have any real authority in medicine. Now, I'm not saying that doctors do. I mean, they do, though. Like, this is where it gets complicated. It gets tricky. It's a different conversation. But I'm picking up what you're throwing down. There's a level of really studying and engaging with things that you're passionate about, really. And this is another really important part of this card, which I'm really glad you brought up, Amanda, which is maybe the authority is the lineage of the area of your expertise. Maybe it's you engaging with the ancestors of whether it's makeup or art or feminism or wig making or whatever it is that you're really passionate about. There are ancestors that came before you. There are teachers that came before you. Part of really buckling down and committing to learning and researching and growing and interacting with this knowledge is also devotion to them as well, you know? So in that mastery of the self or the expertise that you're talking about as being in quotes authority, right? We have to say everything in quotes around here. It's also (laughs) this card about the systems, past, future, present that we're operating in, who we help, who helps us, how our roots are intertwined with others, whether that's a corporation or our ancestors' ancestors' ancestors or an oracle on a mountaintop. This is a card also, I believe, of legacies and lineages, bloodline or not. It's a card about thinking about your future legacy and what your lineage will be after your body dies. So what kind of ancestor will you be for your family line or for your community or for the level of authority or expertise of what you're super passionate about and you're engaging in in this life right now? That's right. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But we're no, that, like, ah. the, the idea of authority and like how we get it and who gets it and who deserves it. And, and how we continue, how is, we, yeah. And ethics and all that stuff I think can come up sometimes with this card. Yeah. And it's also an important reminder that these cards are keys, they're questions, they're thresholds that we cross, which require active participation for us. So it's not just what does this mean for you, but how are you going to live this? How are you going to engage with this? What are your thoughts on this? What do you question about this? What do you want to aspire to about this, right? About any of the tarot cards. So mm-hmm. when we bring up authority, even if you're sitting there thinking like, I hate authority mm-hmm. and I don't even like that you're even using that word, then <laughs> this is a great opportunity to engage, question, wrestle. In fact, I do think that the higher fan is asking you to do that by imposing his will and order, right? Mm-hmm. We become good students when we question Mm. the words of our teachers Mm. so we don't just accept it on blind faith but this card is also very much about faith and belief you want to speak to that yeah so in the elemental tarot deck the card also has a word written at the bottom of it belief you know implying 
ideas about faith, about systems of belief. And so when we get this card in a reading, sometimes we're being called to question our beliefs, to consider how exactly am I arriving at this conclusion? Is it just because it's easier for me as an act of faith? Mm. On the other hand, depending on the context, the card can also be requiring faith of you and requiring you to hold some kind of hope even when perhaps there isn't evidence that you should have it. Well, Amanda, most really hard work requires an extreme amount of faith and belief. Absolutely. Because we don't know that the work that we do is going to be rewarded. We don't know that if we paint a bunch of paintings that we are going to become a professional artist. We don't know that if we enter into a relationship with someone that it's going to work out. We don't know that being a good person is going to lead to rewards in our life. And maybe someone we might see someone who's a bad person and gets lots of rewards. So we're like, how do I know? Faith is required of us constantly. And this card is, is very much bringing that up. The card really asks us to define or redefine the work of love, the work of faith, the work of spirituality, 100%. There's also this other idea in our society work, we really compartmentalize it to a job or what brings us money or how we're seen as a professional or whatever. But I think a lot of people's work, myself included, is work of healing, work of our karma, work of our soul's fulfillment, work of collaboration, interaction, engagement with the larger world. It's like the work of going beyond and the work of more intangible things, right? So I also think that faith and belief is really required with that kind of work because that work is like a spiral journey. It's not necessarily like, oh yeah, if I go see my therapist enough times, then I won't cry as much when I talk on the phone with my father or whatever. <laughs> you know, like it's not maybe, maybe one day that happens and you're like, oh, I didn't cry. And then the years of work or the years of self-help or whatever pay off in that moment. So sometimes I think this card speaks to you being able to cultivate the work of faith in your own process. Mm, you know, that makes me think of that idea of like a Zen master, mm. maybe another way of viewing uh, the hierophant, the high the hierophant. as you know, in Zen, the idea is that all things are work and mm. how, how you do anything is how you do everything. So perhaps this card is calling up the idea of like, how do you work? Not just what are you trying to achieve by the work that you're doing, but Quality, how are you engaging in Whatever work you're doing, whether Presence. it's scrubbing floors, mm -hmm. being in a relationship, making art, being a, how, doctor, being a doctor, driving your car. How are you working? Mm, I love that. Do you want to talk about how the Hierophant is the last of the five worldly major arcana? Yes, I do. Okay, so as you might have noticed, all the cards up to this point are figures, are single figures. There's a fool, there's a magician, there's a high priestess, there's an empress, there's an emperor, and now there's the pope, there's the Hierophant. These are all people. Right, so they're, they're dealing with worldly concerns, things in the world, how we are in the material world. But the Pope is the sort of guardian of the threshold between the material worldly concerns and larger it, and more abst greater abstractions and issues that are like concerned with more spiritual or more conceptual, more abstract ideas. Mm -hmm. How does the goddess speak to you? Is it time for you to be the messenger and the medium? Is it time just to listen? 
Or this might be the time for you to work on opening up your channel to become a divine channel and to channel your unique blueprint, thumbprint expression. Exactly. So after the break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about shadow, shadow pope. We're going to talk about... Um, evil Kermit, Shadow Pope. E- evil Kermit, Shadow Pope. And we're going to talk about practical and magical tips. Like, so if Hierophant's coming up for you a lot, what you might be able to do to engage and mitigate that magically. Okay, so here we are to talk about the shadow aspect of the Hierophant or Pope, as he is sometimes called, or the high priest. So in Catholic teaching, the Pope's word is infallible, right? What he says goes. His teaching is always right in theory. And obviously for any anarchist witches like myself, of course, the idea of an institutionalized authority figure who's there to lay down the rules and laws and enforce them by papal edict, such as like witches (laughs) shall be burned or whatever, comes under definitely the shadow or thumbs down territory for me. Thumbs down. And I think this is sort of how for many this card is challenging. You know, this obviously circles back to the ways we've seen organized religion enact such horrible harm in the world, right? The way one has been thinking about work or one's work in quotes in the world, again, in the different ways it shows up, could also sort of dictate the shadow in this card because there's a weight and a gravity and a seriousness to this archetype that I think people sometimes chafe against because it's about commitment, dedication, devotion, all these other qualities we talked about that like in our like swipe left, swipe right culture, commitment phobic kind of culture, um, you know, always looking for the best lily pad to hop on. I think that these, you know, ideas of commitment and, and working through things and summoning that belief can be a little bit scary. It can be a little bit challenging, right? So there can be a tension also, I think, in this card between your like CV or your more everyday money-oriented work and kind of the soul's work that you're sort of doing when this card comes up. And also this card can ask us to really dig deeper around questions around what we think we want Versus what we actually need. Yes. When someone becomes an authority, it becomes subject to abuse. Very much so. Very easily, right? Mm. The Hierophant card really brings up a lot of issues related to, to wanting other people to solve your problems for you, to do the work for you by telling you how to do it. And then people abusing that authority by saying well, you should put children in cages if that's really what you want to do is protect the nation or whatever. And then people are like, oh, okay, that sounds like a good idea since you said it. You know, so that authority is very much subject to abuse. That's a very appropriate um, current dark side, very, very dark side of this card in the sense as you were talking, Amanda, you know, just this idea of using the Bible as oh, well, it says in the Bible, this and this and that, twisting kind of... Or in the Constitution or in the law Mm -hmm. books, because this is very much about law. He's putting God's word into law so we can all practice it and adhere to it. 
And that comes with a very specific perspective that is not from God, but that is from the individuals and the culture. And that we all love to give our power away so much that we're going to just say yes when somebody comes along and promises eternal salvation to us if we just do these things that they want us to do. And I'm not saying everybody does that, but I do think everybody does that on some level at some point in their life. It's human. On that note, 100%, I see this card coming up in shadow as a kind of mindless worship, refusing to engage in criticality, you know, not trying to kind of question and deprogram your own thoughts and your own practice, whatever that is. I think a common theme that comes up with this card is like a stubbornness or rigidity that can be a refusal, right? A refusal to see certain things or change or uh, see different points of view, you know, so an antidote to that kind of stubbornness would be, it could be that it's time to try curious engagement or questioning, which of course, nudge, nudge, we get a lot of in the next card, the lovers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so when that comes up for you and you feel yourself kind of resisting, you can ask yourself, is this resistance my intuition or is it fear? What am I afraid of on this other side that questioning would grant me? Totally, because, you know, the, the, the Hierophant really functions as like the superego of our soul, of our personality. So the superego is like the voice of our culture, and it, it usually uses the word should. Like, you should do this, you should do that. So there's sort of a moral imperative implied, like, you know, the Pope is going to be like, you should not have an abortion. You should not get married if you're gay. You should not have gay sex. You should not have sex outside of marriage. Sex in general, not a good thing. Like, so, you know, the shadow side of this card is that we also internalize that voice yeah. and that it might be speaking to us and we might be acting out on that without even realizing it, even if we think we're very liberated and enlightened, quote unquote. Well, maybe some good ways to sh demonstrate this is to think of some folks in our culture who are repping that Hierophant energy. Yeah, go for it. Well, so one thing that pops into mind is like guru, the idea of a guru, right? The, the idea of a, like a, a powerful authority figure. And then also gurus getting me too So mm. because I feel like this idea of the me too moment very much taps into the Hierophant because we have people like yoga gurus, for instance, who are interpreting the scriptures of yoga and are giving us a lot of helpful information and maybe life-changing information for some of us. And then they turn around and exploit their position of privilege where I think this gets really interesting is the idea of the rules, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that the whole idea of the guru getting me too is a really interesting one because it kind of goes back to this idea of humans are humans and yeah. we're all humans and we all are problematic and flawed. Yes. Um, we can also talk about good gurus. I would say yeah. Yoda is a great yeah. example of the Hierophant so as being a good, a good friend. Thich Nhat Hanh, the uh -huh. Dalai Lama, uh -huh. these are all this kind of alternative to a more harmful, let's just say, authority mm. figure, right? But we can think of like a teachers in our own lives, like even people that we knew personally. Like I had a teacher as an undergrad who has held me to a really high standard, but I learned so much from her. And I never felt like she tried to exploit me or belittle me. 
She encouraged you. Yeah, she encouraged me, but also pushed me, Mm -hmm. um, even when I was mad at her for doing that, like Mm -hmm. where I was like, how dare you? But because she did that, I grew very much as a writer and as a person. I think that a really good example of this archetype in action is John Lewis, Mm -hmm. um, you know, who's the former civil rights activist. Now he's, um, you know, a politician. He gave this really incredible interview on the podcast On Being about one of his driving forces in the civil rights movement was his spirituality, that faith that kept him going even while he was being beaten, even while he got almost killed by racist police officers. And to me, this is like how we can also see how in a lot of movement work, there is a really strong aspect of spirituality um, or of creativity. Um, you know, that's kind of the most pure hierophant archetype in action, that transcendence and connection as coupled with tangible movement, tangible kind of work. Arundhati Roy was like became widely known as a writer, yet a lot of her most recent work is has been in political activism. Mm-hmm. So she kind of gained notoriety um, in one channel, but then kind of became another channel, as well as the activist Marsha P. Johnson, who is one of the founders of STAR, the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, and has now become an icon of the trans liberation movement. Um, but in Marsha's life, Um, you know, she didn't make any money. Um, you know, she was often penniless and houseless, but she's, she kind of transcended, um, her circumstances because she was so strong, um, in her belief system of what she was trying to do for the collective, which I think is always an important part to me about this card is about the soul and then the collective and the work that we're doing in the world to help and aid the collective. Mm -hmm. You're here. So, well, what about some practical, magical solutions? I'm all ears, Amanda. Well, simple, basic. If you are trying to get into grad school, if you're trying to get into college, if you're ready to start a new program, he's, you know, the Hierophant is a great card to have on your altar or to photocopy and put in your spell bag. Love that. Yeah. Um, another great thing to do if you're really trying to work through and process through this card is maybe making a list of the teachers in your life currently. Like, like who are you studying with right now? Even if you're not technically in school you're reading their work or listening to their podcast or even like in your life like personally like in your relationships like I learn a lot from you for instance same I learn a lot from Carolyn who is our intrepid producer amazing producer over there um so what would it mean like if I wrote out well what am I studying from Sarah like what am I learning from her what is the lesson here? And am I being a good student? And also like maybe thinking about, and this could be bosses, partners, pets, situations. How are you honoring the teachings in your life? Also, you know, how are you being, how are you being a good teacher? Are you being the dazzly show off teacher? Who's like, this is what I want you to think about me. Or are you being the teacher who is actually trying to communicate? I love that because this card can connote ancestors, legacies, and lineages. It can be time to either honor your current teachers, right, in both tangible and intangible ways. And it could also be time to do some ancestor work around. Yes. And ancestors, as we know, 
aren't just bloodline. They're teachers, they're icons you have, they're inspirations you've had. You know, we make up our own ancestors, whoever speaks to us and whoever has been a lighthouse for us. Yeah. So if you're an artist and you're working in a specific way, like who are your ancestors? You know, are you being a good ancestor? Are you listening to their teachings? Would they let you defend your thesis, whatever you're putting forth into the world? Or would they be like, I don't know, you need to rethink that. Go back to your research. I love that idea, Sarah. That's so great. If you like what you have heard, I think it's time for us to announce we're going to do a little giveaway. We're going to do a contest. Not really a contest. A giveaway. A giveaway. That's a different thing. A giveaway contest A giveaway contest. It's easy. It's fun. It's something the whole family can enjoy. It's super easy. After you hear this episode, if you are listening on iTunes, leave a five-star rating, write a review with your Instagram handle, and that is how we will find you. What we will do is after a week, we will write everyone's Instagram handles down. We will put it in our cauldron and we will pull it out. And then Amanda will be giving some lucky winner a 30-minute reading. And then I, Sarah, will be giving someone a 30-minute reading. And we will be showering all of you with love and blessings when you leave us a review, whether or not you win. We all win because then it really helps our podcast stay alive and stay afloat and and become bigger and bolder and a more individuated version of itself. But yeah, so I am excited to meet and read for one of our listeners out there for a free little half hour reading. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. And I just on that tip, I just need to let you all know, I read the reviews and they make my heart sing. And we are so grateful to all of you. We had no idea what was going to happen when we got together to make this podcast. And we're just so grateful that people are enjoying it and that it's helping people. And um, yeah, we're just so grateful and thankful. And we're sending you so many blessings and so much love from the bottom of my cold dark heart (laughs) yeah I mean I love so much to get messages from people and to hear what people think about it it just makes me so excited it gives me I feel inspired also because it just feels like there's a strong community out there of people who are thinking similar things and um, it just feels good to know there's all these witches out there who are like interested in cultivating this community so whenever we hear from you it just makes us so happy we like text we take like screenshots shots of the comments and stuff and send them to each other because it makes us really happy so (laughs) So thank you thank you thank you thanks for the love you guys Hey, it's Amanda. Uh, If you would like to book an appointment or get in touch with me, you can do so through my website, www.oracleoflosangeles.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter there too. And you can also follow me on Facebook at Amanda Yates Garcia or Instagram at Oracle of LA. I have my book coming out next year, initiated in 2019. So I am still really hustling to get that done. So missives from me are slow at the moment, but they are so good. You can find me, Sarah Faith Godestiner, at visualmagic.info. That is where you can read my blog posts, you can sign up for my newsletter, or you can book a reading with me. If you would like to buy any of my feminist design products like apparel, prints, zines, etc., you can find those at modernwomen.bigcartel.com.
Thank you so much. Witches in the boardroom. Witches making art. Witches getting ultrasounds. There's a witch wherever you are.